This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. This should be played at high volume, preferably in a residential area. Hey everyone, welcome back to another edition of Top Rope Nation, presented by TopRopePress.com. I'm your host, Ryan Drosty, Editor-in-Chief of TopRopePress.com, and I'm joined here with my co-host, Mr. Chief Wahoo himself, Kyle Ross, news writer extraordinaire for Top Rope Press. Kyle, what's the mood like there in Cleveland today after the first two games of the World Series? Not as good as it was after the first one. (laughs) We uh, chatted about this last week on the show. It was just before, what was that, game three or four? Game four of the NLCS. And I was uh, a little nervous about my Cubs, but they turned it around. They made Clayton Kershaw look look human there at the end of the series, moved on to the World Series. And here we are with the Indians fan, Kyle, and the Cubs fan, myself, going toe-to-toe in the World Series. It's pretty amazing. It really is. And it's... Push back the taping of the show. What do you know? <laughs> it has been really hard to record because these World Series games are going four hours, seemingly like every night. Uh, so if you're not up to date, we're recording this Thursday night. The series is one to one. Cleveland won big in game one, and uh, the Cubs won pretty well, not quite as big, but they had lead the whole time in game two. So they're both kind of dominant performances by uh, each team, I think it's fair to say, in the first two games. So, uh, Kyle, here's the question. Are we going to do some kind of wager over this series? Although I'm clearly at a disadvantage right now because the Cubs now have, I don't like the term stolen, but uh, they've won back the home field advantage. Something the Indians probably didn't deserve in the first place, but that's a different podcast for a different day. Uh, I'm objective here. (laughs) And the fact that the Cubs are a much better team anyway. I'd like to point that out. You're making me blush over here. Yeah. Uh, I'll still do it just because I like <laughs> I like the action. I'm addicted to the action. All right. So what should we put on the line here? Hmm. Friendly wager? I don't think, I mean, money, I don't think really anyone listening will care about that. <laughs> we have to do something on air that the uh, listeners would care about, I would think. And... Uh... I'm at a loss. I got nothing. You got any ideas? I was going to say that if the Indians win, you would have to change your Twitter avatar to Baron Corbin. Oh, my God. (laughs) What do you got to say about that? Oh, man. I have been vocal about my dislike for Baron Corbin. I'll do it. I'm in on that. Okay. Now, what happens if the Cubs win? I'm trying to think who you dislike a lot. I know you dislike Vince Russo a lot. Yes. Um, the whole angle of James Ellsworth. 
I'm I'm thinking if the Cubs win, it has to be a picture of Vince Russo with the caption "Make wrestling great again." Oh boy! <laughs> oh boy! With the hashtag "Bring back Russo." It's a lot in there, you know. I'll tell you what. You may have to have make that. That sounds like a lot of work. Oh, I'll right make there. it. I'll make it. Oh, okay. Okay. Well, if that's the case, all right, I'll do that. <laughs> I'll do it. All right. I'm screwed. I'm going to have a Vince Russo avatar. My prediction is the Cubs taking it in six. I think with the uh, three games at Wrigley Field, they'll win two of the three. They'll go back to Cleveland and clinch in game six. Although I would love it if they could win it and clinch it at Wrigley. It'd be a much better scene, but. Did I take it from me when the you know everyone was kind of like salty, sort of at first? Even though the way the series worked, it wasn't like the, I'm talking about the Cavs here when the Warriors like ever everyone obviously wanted them to win the series at home, but when they won it in Golden State, trust me, nobody cared after that series was over that the it didn't take place here in Cleveland. Yeah, people were so fired up that they just wanted the championship anyway. It's a little different in Chicago where you guys have actually won championships, but the one franchise is so historically starved (laughs) did you see that graphic espn put up the other day i I put that out on twitter where they were comparing championships in uh cleveland and chicago and they forgot that the white Sox won the world series was not on their graphic they're listing like all the championships chicago have forgotten the white Sox won the world series (laughs) i I have like a lot of good friends in chicago and like all of them like that didn't count yeah that's too bad. Poor Sox fans. I don't mind the White Sox, honestly. Really? No, I don't mind. I once I made a wrong turn over by uh, U.S. Cellular Field, or whatever it's called now. Mm-hmm. Not a great neighborhood. No, it's... At one time in my life, I had been to more White Sox games than Cubs games, because it seemed like every time I was in Chicago, the Cubs were on the road, so we'd always go to a Sox game. Um, and it can be frightening. I mean, outside of left field is the projects. Yeah, I, I remember I, I turned off and like I turned into this gas station and it was like um, it was like one of those movies where like the music stopped when I pulled in and like everyone just like looked and I'm like, I'm just going to go back to the highway right now. It is. Uh, it's so opposite from Wrigleyville. Yes. Where it's like Mayberry. <laughs> like, yes. I've been walking around Wrigleyville at like four in the morning with not feeling like in danger whatsoever. I walking around at like seven o'clock by U.S. Cellular Field. I'm like, ooh. Where am I going here? Yeah, I think it was noon or something when I was there. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, that, hey, that sounds like a good bet. I am in. So Okay. Yeah. Friendly wager. Friendly wager. And, hey, I'll tell you, I would be cheering for the Indians if they were playing anyone else but the Cubs. For I, would sure. be, I actually, growing up, was a pretty big Cubs fan. How could you not? WGN? Everyone? Yes, that's why. Because, like, my, parent, my parents both worked. Um. And when I was like a little younger, you know, uh, my mom only she'd work like half a day and I would watch the Cubs like in the daytime on WGN because we had it. Yeah, that's so, kind of how I got I remember, into it, too. Yeah. Jerome Walton, the 1989 playoff team. I was a big fan of that group. Yeah, I was very upset when they blew the game against uh, the Marlins in 03. As got, was ejected, I. got ejected from a bowling alley, actually. <laughs> Are you kidding me? <laughs> no, that's a true story. Wow. Awesome. I think. You know, I don't have no, I have a Cubs jersey, but no real Indians apparel, believe it or not. Well, maybe you'll get a World Series t-shirt. Yes, maybe I will. And then you can Snapchat me that picture every single day. Yeah. <laughs> I don't do that. I don't, that's Snapchat. Isn't that for like dick pics or something like that? Oh, or? God. <laughs> well, I have never seen one on there. Okay. Well, that's good. Knock on wood. No pun intended. Yeah. 
Stay away from Draymond Green. <laughs> All right, that is a cue to uh, change the subject here. So <laughs> let's uh, let's get to the wrestling news. We've got a lot of news to discuss on the show this week. Um, oh, is that what we is that what we're doing this show about wrestling news? I forgot. <laughs> we're going to start a baseball podcast. Yeah. Um, we are looking at let's first let's look at the big conference call the WWE held today. Uh, we got a full report up on Top Row Press, and uh, there's always a lot of news coming out of these quarterly conference calls but the one thing that i think everyone's always looking for is the uh, breakdown of the wwe network subscriber figures and how the network is growing and so today it came out at the media call that uh the wwe network ended the quarter with uh 1.44 million subscribers paid subscribers and that's international and u.s and they averaged about 1.45 million over quarter two uh, subscriptions. So I think the big takeaway here was that they're kind of stuck around the one and a half million or so worldwide subscribers. Does that surprise you at all? Did you think they were going to get up to two million, Kyle? Or do you think they've kind of hit a, a point where they, they just can't grow any more than where they're at? They can grow. I'm not surprised that they didn't. There's been nothing in the last several months that makes me think that there would be a rush to subscriptions. I mean, I can't think of a single thing. I mean, okay, SummerSlam happened, but I mean, that's not going to, that wasn't an event that was going to grow this business model. Right. I I think there's kind of a thing where it's just going to plateau in non-mania season, and then it's going to hit the mania bubble and then it's going to go down again i think it's you know it's gonna be rinse repeat really each year you know they might pick up a little bit over year over year but unless if they get something real hot going i just i don't see why this number will jump i mean they've been overly optimistic this entire time so i don't really put too much stock into their projections yeah, they used to come out with these uh, figures when they were going over how, like, what their possible subscriptions they could garner for the WWE Network was. And they would talk about, well, how many, I can't even remember, but it'd be like, how many homes in America watch pro wrestling? And it was just like astronomically high number. There's no way that many homes watch pro wrestling. And I don't know if they were basing it off of social media or like fake online polls or something like that. But yeah, it's... I don't know. It seems like you would think worldwide they could do more than one and a half million subscribers. But I just, you know, not to sound like a grandpa here. I mean, for me, it was a no brainer to do. It's just it's nine ninety nine a month and you um, or whatever it is now. I don't even know. I don't even check. I don't be honest. I don't care. They might have raised it. But, um, you know, you just get access to everything. It's fine. I have no issue with it. But. When they first announced it, and I still kind of feel this way, I just, I know it doesn't sound like a lot, like paying $9.99 a month, but I think like it just makes the product more niche because I just don't think casual people are going to sign up for this. I'm not like long term, it's a smart move, Mm -hmm. but I think that right now, I mean, there's people who just like they they just want to, they're just kind of stuck in their ways. They want to watch things on their TV and stuff like that. They're not into streaming. I know that's, you know, it might sound crazy to some people, but I just think that there is a ceiling on a service like this. I mean, didn't something come out that it's one of the most subscribed to uh, 
online services or something like that, like a video on demand service. But I just read like it's in the top, like somebody was touting like it was top five or something like that. Yeah, I think I think it's like right around fifth place or something. I'm sure yeah. it's not close to Hulu, Netflix, you know, Amazon yeah, Prime. And the, but. Yeah, it, yeah, that's like, again, that's like way up. Like I just think because, you know, that offers such a variety. This is only wrestling. I yeah. think there's still a stigma of someone saying, you know what, I'm going to, even though it makes, I mean, people do things that don't make economic sense all the time. You know, I mean, even if you, you can, tell somebody over the you can beat somebody over the head oh hey man you know you like wrestling you like to order wrestlemania hey if you get this thing and you want to just watch a couple other shows it makes sense people will just be like no nah, i don't want to do that mm-hmm. i just think unless unless if there's some hot angle that they do that gains a significant attention and grows the audience I just I see this number just kind of being kind of like the rating where it's much ado about nothing. Yeah, it's 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 for sure at a point where you're just getting the hardcores. Yeah, I don't see any um, casual fans paying 10 bucks a month for pro wrestling content. I I think it is possible you could get some lapsed fans with the uh, like the classic content, but I don't think they're going to stay around long term. I think it's something they might check it out for a month or two, watch what they want to see and then drop it. Um, yeah, I mean, it's when I tell my buddies about it, they're like, oh, wait, like every pay-per-view's on there and stuff. And they're like, that's awesome. And they think it sounds cool. But like, you know, it's something that might just watch like a couple of them or something. And mm-hmm. uh, and that'll be it. But I mean, it's the drop wasn't I'm looking at the numbers here. The drop wasn't too bad from the last quarter, which I guess is encouraging. I mean, this is what the second highest quarter they've ever averaged. So, I mean, it's growing slowly, but surely I just think that there aren't a ton of like hot takes really to come out of this number for me yeah Yeah, they were they were down a little bit from quarter two but quarter two at wrestlemania factored in they were over one and a half million just barely in quarter two of 2016 so that would have been like april may and june um but yeah prior to that they were always around like the 1.3 1.2 million so yeah 1.4 million this is uh yeah it's their second highest figure down a little bit from last quarter, but still, other than that, the highest highest quarter they've had since they launched it. So, yeah, it's it's not a bad figure. I think they they saw themselves having a few more subscribers when they ditched pay per view altogether. I mean, we've talked, we haven't really talked about this, but it's been talked about on uh, many wrestling podcasts that I've listened to about how, uh, you know, they probably should have kept some of those bigger pay per views strictly pay per view, especially WrestleMania. Because they're losing so much revenue by having WrestleMania on the network. Uh, you get so yeah, many people would, with the, the, the 30-day trials just to watch WrestleMania. And... They, they ripped, yeah, yeah, they, they ripped that Band-Aid right off. And um, I was shocked, too. I mean, again, like something like that, for me, it makes it a no-brainer because I'm going to order WrestleMania. So I might as well just do that. I'm always on my computer anyway. But, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I think, you know, some people... Um, you know, they, they don't they, they would rather actually, believe it or not, just order on pay-per-view um, than sign up for this. Yeah, I don't think they, they would. The, barring a red hot angle like I keep piping on. Do you think they get to two million next year? Highly doubt it because it seems okay. like the audience is shrinking. Yeah. Month to month. So if we had a growing product where you could see like they were making some really big like uh, Big stars, they were um, transitioning into pop culture and things like that. Eh, maybe the only one really doing that's John Cena, and he's kind of on his way out of the company as a you know a main face in the in the wrestling ring. So 
I don't really see I don't see anyone bringing in new eyes right now. No. And the, the television hasn't been particularly compelling of late. That's for sure. Yeah, we'll get to that in a little bit. But I did want to mention, I thought of when we were talking about the network, there was another uh, wrestling streaming service that was announced this week. Yes. Flow Slam, which is looking to be like kind of the uh, end-all, be-all for independent wrestling streaming. And uh, But while we were talking about the price point, this Flow Slam service, Kyle, is going to be 20 bucks a month. So twice what the WWE Network is. And if you're if you're up for paying that, you're going to get wrestling content. I guess the big one that they're uh, promoting the most, I think, is Evolve, if I'm not mis- mm-hmm. mistaken. You got Evolve on there, um, Full Impact Pro, Shine Wrestling. I think it would have been a bigger draw if they could have got PWG. PWG just doesn't want their stuff out there yeah. streaming. They're so reliant on their DVD and Blu-ray sales. So I mean, it, if you order a lot of Evolve and online wrestling, it's it's a really good deal. But twenty bucks a month is is pretty steep. Well, they're going the route of all right, we're getting the hardcores. These people will pay this. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how many they get. Uh, but you know, it's kind of like how WWE just keeps jacking up its prices for its big events because they know there's a certain segment of the fan base that'll pay it. Mm-hmm. And I guess that's what, you know, flow Slam's going to depend on for their livelihood. They're just going to have to hope that there's enough hardcores that'll do that price point. I would be really interested to know what their break even point is. Like how many subscribers yes. they got to hit to uh, be making a profit off of this. Yes. And the interesting thing is one of their investors is none other than the WWE. And apparently yes. the WWE is furious about this. Um, and they have zero influence on what goes on a streaming service. So WWE signed in as an investor, but they they can't uh, they ha- cannot have any say. And we know WWE has a relationship with Evolve, and uh, I'm not sure. It doesn't seem yet like this is going to negatively impact that relationship. I know uh, Gabe from Evolve was on Twitter saying, you know, this this doesn't do anything with the relationship with WWE. But WWE reportedly was pretty angry about the launch of this service i don't know why they invested in it then i don't i guess they just like to put their money in a lot of different companies they saw a streaming service and they thought this thing could grow you know shane mcmahon was trying to get streaming networks going over in china for a while there i think it's the thing of the future which it is um but i guess absolutely it is don't get me wrong like the wwe network is the way of the future i almost wonder if just wwe was too I don't know if you could be too early to the party, but it, you know, they may have been like a little bit too ahead of its time. I think in time, this thing will be great and it'll, it'll be doing, it'll be, you know, um, there won't be an issue with it, but, um, yeah, it almost seemed like they were actually too ahead of the curve. Yeah. I just think a lot of their fan base at first didn't really understand how the network even worked and how to, that they could get it on their television. Yeah, exactly. And you know, some people are just too lazy to do that really. I don't know. Yeah. Um, no, with the, with the other, um, you know, with why, um, with WWE being furious and putting money in um, to Flow Slam, I had seen someone tweet, it's like, oh, maybe with the investment that Flow Slam would be something where, and this was before it came out, WWE really had no say in what goes on there. Um, there was a thought that, okay, well, you know, some of the tape libraries that WWE acquires that they don't really want to put on their own network, they would put on there. 
mm-hmm. was the kind of um, discussion I had seen on Twitter. But uh, apparently that was all for naught. Yeah. So I guess it's, I mean, for wrestling fans, this is nothing but a good thing. WWE Network is a great deal if you like wrestling. Mm-hmm. This is a pretty good deal if you like independent wrestling. Um, yeah. I mean, if you are someone that complains about the WWE product, there is no excuse to be complaining about pro wrestling in this day and age because it's so easy to watch other products. You yes. can get the New Japan streaming service very easily. You can get now Flow Slam. You get all these companies. Um, you can order PWG through the mail. I guess that's kind of old school, but they're putting on great shows. It's You can get on YouTube. There's, there's everything out there. You got wrestling companies in Europe streaming on YouTube. So, I mean, there's a lot out there for us. Uh, we've got WWE talking about going to a tiered approach with their network here in the future, which I think would be interesting if they did that. Uh, I'm not too into the uh, the technical side of streaming, but I do know um, I'd heard something about how the WWE network is not broadcasting at like the full 720 frame rate that they could be. They could be giving you like a better picture. And I think uh, like MLB TV this year went to that higher frame rate. And I guess people were talking about how it looks so much better versus the last few years. Have you ever done MLB TV? Kyle, not I to get back to baseball, but... actually, but I, I had heard the same thing. Yeah, so and people that have, yeah, so apparently the WWE network um, higher price tier would have slightly better picture quality. That's something they've been thinking about, and just completely different content. So it'll be an interesting next six months to a year in in wrestling for streaming services. That's for sure. Do you ever have problems with the network? I, I do. Mean, I'll have like, okay, I, I I usually don't like. I'll have like just a pause here and there. It's very rare, though. At first, I kind of did. Um, but that might have only been on, like, WrestleMania, which is probably it's, you know, obviously, I should yeah. say not probably. It's, you know, highest volume of users. I have issues, like, here and there. Not every show, but some shows, it'll, like, if your connection slows down, then it does that, like, fast-forward rewind thing. Um, and I guess okay. that's just like automatic and it's, it's definitely not my connection because I've got my streaming service hardwired to my internet and I have like 60 megabit download speed, uh, like very fast internet. So it's not because I have a slow connection. If that's what people are thinking, we actually even had president Obama come here one year to talk about how good our internet was. It was like one of the top four cities in the country for internet wow. speed. Yeah. So it's not my internet speed. So it is something on the WWE's end. Um, and I do have issues here and there. So it's, it's, it's gotten better. And it's not anything that like detracts me from getting the service or anything. It's, it's just kind of annoying. It'll, just, it'll be a couple times a show. Not, not mm-hmm. that much. but so Yeah, so also coming out of the uh, conference call today, a couple other things to hit. Um, wanted to mention the tiered network. They had talked about that, but the other big thing making headlines is, uh, Vince McMahon was asked if he was open to selling the WWE, um, itself. And Vince said, quote, he is open for business, but he also said controlling the destiny of the company is something that's also very important to him. So if he did sell the company, uh, he would want to retain some kind of creative control over it. So someone didn't ruin his company. Uh, what, did that surprise you that he had said he was open for business to selling the company? We've kind of heard about this a little bit yeah. in the past, but what did you think about that? No, it didn't surprise me. Anyone like that, like Vince, is always going to say that. They're always open, you know, the whole open for business. I used to, 
work for a guy, you know, he'd always like throw this thing. Oh, you know, if someone would buy the company, I'd always listen. I'm like, really? Jeez. Like, <laughs> thanks for telling me. But, um, no, that doesn't surprise me. I, I don't think it would ever happen, though, because of the second part that he would want to, you know, control, quote, the destiny of the company and that being important to him. I just think that that's going to turn a lot of the few people who would be interested in potentially buying WWE off from that. Yeah, because they're going to have to deal with him. So which is, <laughs> as we'll talk about later, very difficult to do at times. So, <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, it didn't surprise me. He said it because I think he said this before. And like the first time he said, people were like, whoa. And then like now it's just like, I think something he says. Yeah, I, I would still be very shocked if he ever sold the company. Yes. Yeah, that, that that's true. I'm not shocked that he said it, but I would actually be shocked if he did sell it. Yeah. So, yeah, Vince, Vince is just he's very concerned, I think, obviously, with the direction of his company, where it's going, someone getting their hands on the company and ruining it. Although there is a <laughs> argument to be made that he's doing a good job of that himself, which brings then, us it, it, to as Monday we will Night see Raw. The numbers here. It, sorry not to cut you off but the numbers i mean this is a very profitable company despite um its many issues creatively that it has going right oh no doubt they're making mm. tons of money they invest their money well it's not like a wcw situation where if they had a few no, bad no. years they could be like out of business that's not going to happen they this company has a lot of money in the bank and they got their money like we talked about with flow slam they got their money invested everywhere so yeah they're, they're well managed and, uh, yeah, the, the future of the WWE is not in question whatsoever. It does make me a little angry, though, Kyle, when uh, people talk about, you know, like, oh, this is the highest grossing year for WWE ever. And then they, they make that seem like uh, that's, a, that's a sign that the, the company is doing well and people shouldn't be complaining because a lot of times they don't factor in inflation which, you know, basic economics, if you actually think that, you know, WWE is is doing better than they were 15, 15 years ago or so, maybe you need to factor in the inflation or even in the 1980s. But they, they, they yeah, are no, doing I, well. Yeah, and there was the one, what was the one year where um, the rest, where, where the company, I mean, it would have been incredible had it not been for the XFL. Right, yeah, yeah, 2001 or 02. Yeah, I think it was yeah. 2001, like, you know, that, you know, the company, I mean, the, the, the profits would have been through the roof had it not been for that. Yeah. I think I was having a conversation one time with someone and he was trying to make the point that like, oh, John Cena was a, a bigger draw than Steve Austin. And he was using like, well, the, the profitable years they had had at that point. And I'm thinking like, really? <laughs> you think you think this compares to Steve Austin in that the height of the Attitude Era? I don't think so. It's the brand that draw. I mean, Cena is a difference maker on the bottom line on sh- when he appears versus doesn't. But overall, it's the brand. Yeah, that yeah. draws. Now it it's so it's it's almost like apples to oranges. You can you can almost can't compare this to some previous eras. It's it's just it's so different. Yeah, just the way the the business operates in general is entirely mm-hmm. different. Yeah. Yeah, Cena is, though. I mean, he really is the only transcendent star they've made in the last 10 years or so. Yeah, like, I would agree with that. Kinda, we've kind of hinted at that before. But, I mean, yeah, he is. No doubt Cena is a huge star. But I just laugh when people try to, like, put him on the same level as a draw of, like, a Rock or Steve Austin. Because it's just he, I mean, he's, case. like, I would say he's, like, below that. I mean, the top three all time in w, are, are Hogan, Austin, and Rock. And then it's everybody else. Yeah. But I would say in the scene is in the next tier. Yeah, no doubt. But he's not above no, Steve no. Austin. I think Steve Austin like technically drew more money than any any yes, wrestler he did. in history. Yes, he did. 
Yeah. I mean, uh, the year and a half that he was on, I mean, that was insane. 98, 99. I mean, that no one's had a year and a half ever like that in in the history of wrestling and probably no one ever will again. I often said when people were really down on the product, like in the mid 2000s, I kind of would give WWE a bit of a pass sometimes because I would say, you know, they were in a position a couple of years before that where they should have had Austin for several more years and they should have rock for several more years, but they were kind of, you know, hit some bad luck. Austin with his injuries, rock went off to Hollywood and those guys that were in their long-term plans were kind of just taken away from them. Yeah. And Lesnar left too. Yeah. So at the time, like, you know, 405, I was kind of like, yeah, it's a down period. But at the same time, like, look at what happened to their top stars. I'll tell you what, I've been going through going through some stuff as I move the microphone away from my mouth. That's smart. Um, From that era. God, there was a lot of bad television, though, in that period. Horrible television. They they did not not do themselves a lot of favors in that first brand split era at all. God, there was some stuff awful stuff you look at it you're like oh my god this happened when we get to uh our survivor series recaps from like the early to mid 2000s it's going to be a little bit rough i think uh some of those events that they had during the early brand split it's uh yeah although you know what i'm thinking right now specifically the survivor series a couple of those were okay i remember i think like it was like, like 02 and 03. Those were okay shows. Yeah, those ones were pretty good from what I remember. But yeah, I'm thinking like after that, like 04, I think like, you know, Maven was a main eventer in that one or something. <laughs> yes. That was, Cleveland. that was in Cleveland? Yes. You guys have had a lot of Survivor Series shows. We talked about that last week. You had yeah, how many four. of the first like five or six were in Cleveland? Yeah. Three of the, you have three of the first, you know, 87, 88, 92, and 04. Well, I'm not going to bash Cleveland. Hey, like I said, I like Cleveland. I would never go Joaquin. Chicago had 89. Yeah, it's true. In the Rosemont Horizon. <laughs> Cleveland is a great American city, Kyle. And I, I kind of retract what I said about the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. I, I, oh, good. That's nice to hear. I, I don't think the city deserved it over Memphis, Tennessee, but I don't think it doesn't deserve it. Let me just put it that way. Okay. <laughs> Just like a honky tonk man thing or something like that with Memphis, Tennessee. No, it's rock and roll music was born in Memphis, Tennessee. If you if you know about Sun Studios and all these guys that uh, Sam Phillips discovered there, it's incredible how many. Have you ever been to Memphis? I have not actually. It was on my list. I wouldn't mind. The thing is, like, I want to do Nashville and Memphis, and they're not close, really. No, that's a it's a bit of a drive. Yeah, it's worth going just for the barbecue. To be honest with you. Okay. But uh, yeah, Sun Studio in Memphis, uh, like the first rock and roll record of all times, usually considered Rocket 88, um, which came out like 1952 or 53. I know about this because I wrote my master's paper on early rock music, by the way. I was going to say, you're kind of <laughs> stunning me right now. Yeah, Rocket 88, which was was performed by, uh, the name of the band was, uh, was it Jackie Breston and his... I can't remember, but I know like Ike Turner was in the band and uh, that was at Sun Studios. And then, uh, of course, Elvis came from Sun Studios, Jerry Lee Lewis, uh, Carl Perkins, Johnny Cash It's just uh, Roy Orbison recorded there. It's just like all unbelievable. And this is like the small little studio downtown Memphis. But no doubt that's where rock music was born. A lot of those guys came from that Mississippi Delta area, too. 
mm-hmm. uh, or like blues and jazz and everything. So that's it's kind of like the birthplace of rock and roll. But I know the term was coined by the DJ in Cleveland. And there was a lot of legendary concerts in Cleveland, too, I must say. I'm a huge it Bruce was. Springsteen it- fan, and he had a really famous concert there in like 78 at the Agora. Yes. Uh, was it 78? I can't remember if it was 75 or 78. I don't know. I bought my dad the poster. I found it. Some guy like um, had old posters, and he was there, my dad. So he's a huge Springsteen fan. Um, and I had gotten him that. Yeah. I can't remember if it was 75 or 78. I'm sure he played there both tours, but the 78 oh, yeah, one is, is uh, the 78 one on his Darkness on the Edge of Town tour is like the legendary, the legendary show. He okay. Had. Well, then, yeah, in that case, it was Darkness on the Edge of Town. That's 78. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I was going to say, you know, it's funny that Cleveland had all those legendary concert dates. Now we get passed over by like every mid-level group because there's not a good mid-level sized venue here. Yeah, it used to have that ballroom. So what what would it be now? Is Agora like gone? Uh, yes, people. Uh, the last time groups regularly came to the Agora, I was still in my early 20s. So that was like 15 years ago. I saw okay. like the White Stripes come through there. Um. Maybe oh three. It was like right when Seven Nation Army came out. Okay. Um but yeah, people have stopped regularly touring there. It's a big jump. I and mean, we have a house of blues, which is I don't know, I don't like the House of Blues really, but um you know there there's not then after that, it's like a huge jump to obviously like the Quick and Loans Arena, which is where the Cavs play. So there's nothing really like in between. Yeah. You know, either either you draw like, you know, a thousand or something, or you have to like try to draw 10,000. Mm-hmm. Well, I guess the rock and roll hall of fame should build maybe like a midsize arena. Be a good I have been in favor of that for years and no one will listen. <laughs> Kyle Ross for mayor. Yes. I've yes. I have, I do not know why there is not a venue attached to the rock and roll hall of fame. <laughs> That's that. That is a grave misuse. Yeah. Although the, the way it's built, it's like right on the water. There's not a ton of room there for building. I mean, it's right next to the science center. Um, so there's not a lot of real estate there. I get to do that, but there should be. Well, speaking of people that could run for mayor, Brock Lesnar in Minneapolis on Raw this last week. What? An unbelievable oversight by the uh, WWE. Well, I'm not sure if it was the writing staff or just Vince himself. Because I think from what I read, Vince himself was shocked at the reaction in this promo Brock gave. He comes out on Monday Night Raw, build up this match with Bill Goldberg. It was one of the most awkward segments I have seen in years where... Paul Heyman's like going around the ring and he's telling the fans, stop chanting Goldberg, stop chanting. And nobody was chanting Goldberg. Because they're in Minneapolis where Brock went to college. He's, they basically build it as his hometown, even though he's from South Dakota. And the place was going crazy for Brock. But they didn't change the script at all. They acted like everyone was cheering Goldberg. And then they kind of just like ended the segment early. And Brock and Paul went to the back. And that was that. And it showed just kind of, I don't know, a lack of oversight, lack of quality control, being out of touch with your audience. But apparently this came down to Vince, and I was speechless when I saw it. No, so, all right, there's times when you should criticize the individual performers for doing something wrong. This is not one of those times. This is clearly on the promotion. 
Yeah. They built it. They build it. Not built. Build. Pardon me. As a homecoming of sorts for Lesnar. And to be stunned at that reaction is just shocking to me. Like, maybe Vince was shocked, but I cannot believe that the majority of people working in creative for that company, that there weren't at least a few folks who were like, you know, cutting a standard heel promo here may not be the best idea. <laughs> There's there literally two- no chance they're going to get the crowd to turn on Brock. No, there, especially because he's a guy who doesn't appear often. And, you know, it, I'll get to something in a second, but there's two options they had here. One was not to have Lesnar on this show at all. If they want to build, if they want to, if they wanted to build the match the way they were trying to build it, they just should not have had Lesnar on this show. It was the go home show anyway for Hell in a Cell. I understand that you wanted to get this match out there for Survivor Series, which, by the way, they didn't even announce. They had to announce it online because they ended the segment. So, you know, in that regard, who cares? It was just a waste of TV time. Um, or you don't have Lesnar. You don't have Heyman cut a heel promo. It seemed to me that Paul knew it was a bad idea when he came out there. Yeah. I can't imagine Paul Heyman's like, oh, this is going to work. I mean, he tried. But you're right, him trying made it just seems completely awkward. Well, that's what I that was kind of my thoughts too, is because Heyman is so good on the mic, arguably the best in the company, wrestler, performer, anything. He's gotten a little stale this year though, because he hasn't had much to work with. Yeah. But when he's on his game, there's few mm-hmm. better. And the fact that he was going after it when obviously nobody was chanting Goldberg over and over and over, it was like, all right, he's forced to do this. All right. Here's the thing. (laughs) This match has potential. I know that maybe I'm a little higher on it in that regard than you are. I think this match absolutely has potential. It's just, it's, there's no real reason to boo Brock Lesnar. No. Which is the thing like, okay, Bill Goldberg cut a very effective baby face promo and he gave you a reason to cheer for him. And that's good. And the people who like Bill Goldberg and and whatnot and people that don't live in Minnesota probably, you know, I thought it was great, the promo, and it worked in that regard. But if you like Brock Lesnar, there was no reason to boo him. He hasn't done anything. No. I think the booking of him has just been awful in the last year. And I think back um, to it, 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 the whole thing with Lesnar and how they, how he's been booked all year. And it's just, it's very silly how they just like just kind of announced this match out of the blue, you know, to me, you know, when it's all done kind of outside of the context of WWE storylines mm-hmm. to me, cause I don't know if you heard this, the impetus was that WWE was quote, again, this is another one that'll get you shocked about the reaction Goldberg was getting SummerSlam weekend. You know, the chance for him and stuff mm-hmm. when he and Lesnar were doing the media going at each other. And at that point, like the people were kind of hyped for it. Right. Yeah, yeah. And they just left it alone. And then a couple months later when it was cold, they're like, all right, well now we're going to have this match. They do this a lot, you know, with like the Rollins face turn and stuff like that. To me, if you wanted to build this match in a narrative that would make your audience care, 
They absolutely should have been smart enough at SummerSlam when Lesnar was beating the hell out of Orton and had a bloody and people like, God, what a dick this guy is. You should have had Bill Goldberg come out to make the save. Oh, yeah, for sure. And at least then that's a narrative. Unlike this just cold way you're going into it where, you know, it's just, oh, here's Brock Lesnar just out of the blue. Hey, he's showing up in his home state. You know, who's going to boom? Vince? It's funny. I wonder if this goes back, Ryan, to his – I'd love to get your response to this. Um, and so I'm going to ask you. How Vince made wrestling national. He killed all the territories, right? Does he not grasp kind of like the local vibe wrestling can still have or just like the local feel like just anything can have? Like, I mean, when you think of most people cheer for their hometown team in sports, right? We're talking about Indians, Cubs and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Most people cheer for their hometown team. People feel a connection. We even saw this with freaking Curtis Axel, for God's sake, on Monday. Do you think Vince just is like befuddled by this? <sighs> Because he's say. never seemed to get it. Like to me, the easiest way to get heat on wrestling, like to get a guy over, is if saying he's like from the hometown. People always cheer the local guy, mm-hmm. and Vince doesn't seem to get that really. That they people used are to always going to cheer for the local guy. Yeah, they used to do it. I don't know if this is Vince just being in a bubble even more of late. They, you can think of instances in the past where they did it. Um, the one that comes to mind. To me, is uh, there's that Raw about ten years ago where they sent Shawn Michaels out to the ring in Montreal, and they knew that uh, you know they'd be cheering Bret Hart, so he mm-hmm. he had the local response thing down then because they had Shawn do this promo where they act like Bret was going to come out, and then they played his music and he didn't come out, and Shawn had the crowd like in the palm of his hand, and well, that was hilarious. like the opposite though. That was. That no, was like, yeah, but it's being a kill the audience. Yeah, but it's be, it is being aware of like the hometown crowd, um, and th- they would do it with. I mean, it's a heel response too, but like with Jim Ross every time they're in Oklahoma, uh, they did it with the Hart Foundation in Canada during the USA Canada stuff. But you're right. Like in recent years, it's like they don't think about that at all anymore. I, I just don't think he like understands the co- like before. WWE just took everything over. The local babyface was a staple of like every territory. Yeah, you know, and and was generally successful. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't want to date myself and sound like I'm 82 years old, but I mean, you, you know, like Vern Gagne in the AWA. I mean, you know, the re- why was he the top? At well, because he owned the company, but you know, he was also from Minnesota. Yeah, you know, and that that worked. Um, you know, Bill Watts was popular in this area. You know, the Von Erichs, OG, why did they get over in world class? Because mm-hmm. they were from freaking Texas. Like, I just don't think Vince, like, it's very easy to do, to get, like, you, you don't even have to think. If you're like, you know, Curtis Axel, like, of course the guy got, like, Curtis, what has Curtis Axel done in the last four years, three years in WWE? Not a damn thing. Yeah. Yet he goes out there cold as ice references his father and his grandfather and it's like one of the most over baby faces on the show you know what's interesting just came into my head is that a lot of those instances you mentioned were like wcw world class playing to the baby face and how vince didn't really do it a lot of times vince more so than the other promotions in the past always like had kayfabe hometowns for his wrestlers if you think about yeah, it, like but, they wouldn't but, actually acknowledge where they were really from. 
Mm-hmm. Like they yeah, they wouldn't no, go to Tampa and say, you know, like Hogan was the uh, the hometown guy. That he was from Venice Beach, California. No, you're right. In that era, they did nothing of the sort because it was they wanted to have give the allure of a nat, and it was very much a national product. Mm-hmm. Um, they didn't want to, do, but like now, when you don't have to really worry about any kind of, I just don't know why you don't do that, especially when you're just kind of struggling to get guys over. We've mentioned them before. This company stinks at getting baby faces over. I just. I don't know how you don't think of that or realize it. Mm-hmm. The only time I remember, this is the most random poll ever. I don't know what made me think of this. Um, the only like random time I can remember, other than Shawn Michaels and San Antonio, but that doesn't count because Shawn's a made guy. I mean, me saying it doesn't count, I guess, is cheating. But like the only time they went with a guy that I can remember that wasn't really being pushed, and they're like, hey, we're going to, all right, it's his hometown, we're going to go something. You ready for this one? It was Bob Holly on a random Raw in the 90s. They were in Alabama. <laughs> Sparky they plug? Were yes. I can't remember now if he was working against Goldust or Owen Hart. But I'm telling you, look it up. This was like 96, 97. They just like plucked Bob Holly out of obscurity and gave him a win in Alabama. And like, they did like a false finish where like they thought he had won the intercontinental title. Mm-hmm. I really think it was against gold dust or Owen Hart. Okay. looks like we found it. Uh, Bob Holly wrestled intercontinental champion, Owen Hart. You can look this up on the network in may on may 19th, 97. And uh, I think you're looking at the results too, Kyle here by now. Uh, mm-hmm. It looks like Holly got the victory. Yeah, they did a bunch of pre-taped segments where like the fans were hyping up Bob Holly for his big match with Owen Hart. Yeah, I had no idea. Like, is this like the only time that Bob Holly was on TV in 1997? I remember him being there like here and there, but he still had that race car driver gimmick. And it seemed like he was mostly on Superstars or Action Zone or those those weekend shows they had at the time. This was right after they went to two hours. Yeah, this this is like some really good Raws took place around this time. This I wonder if this was the one where um, this isn't the one where Austin commandeered the ambulance, was it? I think that was With in Fred- I think that was in March or April. I think it was right okay. after the WrestleMania match. Okay. It wasn't long after that. Okay, but you know, I mean, Raw was freaking awesome during this time period. So. Yeah. yeah, yeah, people can go look that up. Yeah, you're but anyway, right. Though. Bob Holly, only person to ever get a localized push. You're right. It's it's not hard to do the hometown thing. It's it's the easiest pop in the business to promote well, the hometown. We, we got really off track there going from well, like there is that Brock Lesnar Bob Holly uh connection always, but uh Yeah. But yeah, I, I just thought it was it just that's on that is so on the promotion to send Lesnar out there or Heyman out there to, to cut that heel promo in Minnesota when you just should know that that's not gonna get the desired reaction. And if you're going to have them go out there, you got to understand what the reaction is going to be. I think I generally think that the conversation of where they're at just doesn't come up in the booking meetings at all. Like they don't even think about it when they're writing the show. I mean, because it just makes it look so foolish. Yeah. Like, you know, I mean, Heyman's out there. You people are chanting Goldberg and like everyone's chanting. And like, if you're somebody who's not totally invested in WWE, you know, the people they're trying to bring back with Goldberg and you watch it, you're like, what? Mm hmm. You're just you're just confused. 
the one that comes to mind for me, the only time they've used the hometown thing in history, in recent history, and made good use of it is CM Punk at Money in the Bank 2011. Oh, yes, yes, yes. That but, was but yeah, that, that came about like almost as an accident or like at the last minute because that match was booked and nobody really cared. It wasn't like a huge, a huge match people were talking about. Punk was on his way out of the company and then he cut the pipe bomb promo. Was it like a week or two before the match? And then it became a huge thing. And it was like the fact that the match was in Chicago was never really on anyone's mind. And that nope. ended up being like a great, great moment. I'm glad you brought that up because that actually is the one time the WWE, you know, treated, was, you know, was smart about it. And it, it reminded me of a territorial title match is what it would, you know, it reminded me of like when Ric Flair was the NWA champion and he was a huge baby face in Jim Crockett promotions, but he would, you know, Cena was flair, but he was kind of going in Dallas to defend against the Von Eriks and he had to play, you know, a heel. Yeah. Yeah. I think, um, outside of like Brian's push a couple of years ago, um, probably that punk stuff in 2011 is one of the last times where like, as a fan, I really got into it. Like, like when I was a kid marking out truly, I think was, yeah, was I watching that stuff in 2011. Yeah, there's some times I mark on random stuff. But, but where you were like really invested in a storyline for like weeks and what's going to happen. And then when Punk came back on Raw with the belt after the tournament, it was pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, they just, um, yeah, they screwed that up pretty quick. <laughs> they did. I was trying to be more positive, Kyle. Oh, sorry. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, I just, yeah, it, it, they just, I just, it's so upsetting. Then, you know, you have the stuff with Curtis Axel. I put it up there, too, that they were confiscating signs. I mean, that's yeah. just dumb. Yeah. Why, yeah, why cut off people's legs from underneath them like that? I don't get it. it. And why, why do you have the guy, here's the thing, too, like hometown or not, I never understand why they do this. So they got Curtis Axel, who, again, dead in the water, hadn't done a damn thing in three years in this company, right? And he's yeah. got the crowd cheering for him organically, right? Mm-hmm. And they beat it with a freaking roll up by Bo Dallas. <laughs> you know, because Bo Dallas is going places, Kyle. Yeah, you know? I know. And it's like, yeah, you, you know, if there was ever a time, like, what do you think? Like, do you think like anyone's going to remember that win? No. In a couple of weeks that Bo Dallas, beat, you know, but if like Curtis Axel would have done something there, people would have remembered it. Yeah. It would have been unique. It's just, oh, how frustrating. On that note, I think we should go into our Hell in a Cell predictions. We do have a pay-per-view this Sunday. we got to yeah. get it out there. Um, not a lot of excitement behind this pay-per-view outside of what's going on behind the scenes with all the main event discussion. And we'll talk about that when we get to that match, um, the women's match. But I will note, I just pulled up the match list on WWE.com, and they do have the women's title match in the main event slot in their list of the matches. It is the last one. Well, it's actually at the top of the list, but well, it's the main all, event spot. if you go to the website, all the banners are Sasha and Charlotte. Mm -hmm. Yep, it's at the top of the page. So it's like they're doing this, you know, one toe in the water kind of crap with it. Yeah. Well, let's just go briefly through it match by match and leave us time to talk about that, that all the drama around that match. Okay. So uh, we've got in the kickoff match, showing how much emphasis they've put on this cruiserweight division. Uh, oh. We have a six-man tag with Alexander, Dorado, and Sin Cara taking on Nice, Gulak, and Davari. Honestly, I have no idea who's going to go over in this match. because It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Exactly. It doesn't, the, 
all right. So here's my two cents. And I, I kind of I got to do raw, uh, you know, real not a real reward, but I I offered to <laughs> it because there's a lot going on in Cleveland on Tuesdays. So I was a friendly employee of the site. And I said, hey, if anyone wants to take SmackDown, I'll do raw. And so I did it. And, I, you know, I offered my two cents on the cruiserweight division. I don't know about you. I think it's been subpar at best. Yeah. You know, the only thing that's keeping me invested in is that I like the guys and I, you know, and I think they're very talented. But if I'm somebody who doesn't know Tony Nese, doesn't know Drew Gulak, doesn't know Rich Swan, doesn't know TJ Perkins, I don't give a damn about these guys. No, they've given you no reason to care. I mean, it is it's pretty bad, man, to be honest with you. And here's the issue. So when the cruiserweight division made its impact in WCW in 1996, it was so different than what was going on on the rest of the card. I mean, has there ever been a bigger dichotomy in terms of what's going on in the ring than, you know, those opening matches on WCW pay-per-views from that time, like Mysterio, Malenko, Mysterio, Ultimo Dragon, and then like your Hulk Hogan, Roddy Piper main events. <laughs> the undercard was always great. Yeah. Tune out I mean, for the last but, half hour. Yeah. Well, you know, but to be honest, for a time, that really worked. You had the stars on top and you had all these great workers underneath. It yeah. really worked. Yeah. Like, I mean, yes. I mean, look, I mean, I don't, those Hogan Piper were just brutal, the Hogan Piper stuff, but they drew, you know, mm-hmm. they drew the house and they put all the good wrestling underneath. It was, it worked until, you know, people kind of wanted to see the good workers get elevated and all the old timers didn't want to do it. Yeah. But now the issue is with this cruiserweight division is, you kind of see a lot of those moves anyway in the card. Like most guys, you know, we talked about this before on this roster are pretty good wrestlers. And I don't know if they're handcuffing the cruiserweights or these guys are maybe a little nervous or what the matches aren't blowing. You know, they need to be blow away matches, cruiserweight matches to get over. That's what happened in WCW. The matches were great. They were, you know, I think, if you look back at end of 96, there was like a match of the year candidate kicking off every paper, the last three pay-per-views that year in WCW in uh, 96. Mm-hmm. These aren't match of the year. I mean, you, you watch, you're like, oh, okay, they're okay. They, they can't be okay. They've got to be blow away. So it, it does not matter who wins this match. And it's on a kickoff show, so it really doesn't matter. But it's got to be a blow away match to get this thing going. And I don't have the faith that it's going to happen. Well, they they are handcuffing them. They have told them to tone down the matches since which they came makes up. no sense. No, it makes no sense at all. But they they want them to work their typical WWE television style. So you haven't really seen them going through the air much at all. Uh, you're not seeing the kind of matches like you were on the Cruiserweight Classic. And speaking of which, you know, you're talking about Kyle about how nobody cares and they've given you no reason to care, and they just kind of assume people know who these guys are. We talked about the subscriber count earlier in the show. And of the about 1.4 million network subscribers, domestically, it's about a million. If you think about about 3 million people watch Raw every week, only a third of your audience has been exposed possibly to the, these guys in the Cruiserweight Classic. So two-thirds of your audience has no idea who they are. They've given them no reason to care about them. Um, they're giving them matches that just look like Basically, everything else that's on Raw, except for some different lighting and ropes and stuff. Which is needless. Yeah, it's just a waste of time. So, yeah, it's, it's been a flop so far. And I'm, I'm sorry to say it, because I was really looking forward to this Cruiserweight thing. 
I like the Cruiserweight Classic a lot on the network, but that is a small fraction of their Monday night crowd that watch the Cruiserweight Classic, and they just kind of take for granted, like, that's them being in a bubble. They think people just know who these guys are when a lot of their audience does not know. Yeah, I'm worried that this is going to turn into kind of what the WCW Cruiserweight division became in that they would just, like, throw these kind of random six-mans to fill up time on a show. Yeah. With no rhyme or reason. Some of those matches were good. If you want to check out good stuff, I actually looked up. I remembered one. There was like an eight man that kicked off a show in Dayton. It sold out 98. That's really good. And I had to look up this other one at Bash of the Beach 97. Hoovy, the great Hector Garza, who was on fire at the time, and Lismark Jr. against the Parka, Psychosis, and Viano 4. That's a good match, too. I guarantee the six man on Sunday will not be as good as either of those matches. No. So. I'll just go with Alexander's team because of all, all the six of those guys, I'm highest on Cedric Alexander. So, I'll just so go am I, by the way, where's Rich Swan? The guy they're pushing, the one guy who actually is getting over a little bit. Yeah, he's Nowhere not, to be found. No. He, he He's the one guy since these guys were transitioned to Raw who's gotten a little momentum. Um, And I was like, oh, God, they're going to show this video package again and then just beat the guy right after. And they didn't. Kudos to them. Of course, they beat their number one contender. But um, and then they don't put him in this match even. Yeah, I, I don't no get sense. that. They got eight cruiserweights on the uh, show and yeah. no rich one. Yeah, the, the, the emblematic for this whole show. Um, I don't care who wins, <laughs> and I don't think it matters. I just don't think it matters at yeah. all. And then we have Bailey taking on Dana Brooke. Bailey, another okay, this does matter who wins. <laughs> another person who has had the ball dropped on him. Um, yeah, Bailey needs the win here. Yes, very, very clean. That segment on Monday with the arm wrestling was very bad. Yeah. It did not get over at all. Like, I get that. Okay, they've got a limited division. And, you know, if they're not going to put the title on, or they've got to draw heat a different way. But people just don't want to see this. No. And it's just not working. And Dana Brooke is very bad. And well, her you, job. I you mean, were right I mean, on yes. with your prediction about Dana Brooke and how they think she's going to be this next big star because clearly well, you know, Bailey has been taking a backseat to Dana Brooke. Well, you know what? It's funny you mention that because I actually think, and this has been a bit of a pleasant surprise, that they haven't gone as far with her as I had feared. Because if you've noticed, they've totally divorced her from Charlotte. Yeah. 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 You thought her and Charlotte were going to go right into yeah, the program. Like, and I thought that was, it looks like that's just been dropped entirely. And, you know, when you when you see Dana, she botched the pin two weeks ago on Raw. Maybe they are starting to see, okay, she is not ready whatsoever. And you gotta imagine that Bailey goes over very clean here. And um I don't know where she goes from there. Um, I guess maybe, you know, well, the Sasha Charlotte thing is coming to an end, so they're gonna need a new number one contender. So, you know, hopefully they can do what we'd kind of um stumped for a few weeks back and have, you know, maybe Sasha go heal with Bailey chasing. Yeah. Yeah, well, that'd be best for all involved. It'd be best for the uh, Sasha character. Bailey needs it because yeah, she's been booked terribly since coming yeah. up. And if she loses this match, there's very little hope for her in the near future. Oh, the crowd will turn on this show something fierce if she loses here. Yeah, I don't think she will though. I, I, you know, never say never with this company. I think they're smart enough not to beat Bailey here. Yeah, I agree. Especially after they did so on TV. Yeah. And then we got Enzo and Cass taking on the club. Uh, <laughs> speaking of, does it really matter? Um, 
God, the ball was dropped on the club months ago. Enzo and Cass still have a chance to do something special in the future. I'm not sure about the club. They've, they're kind of hitting the reset button on them lately, maybe, but I think I'll go with Enzo and Cass in this one. Yeah, got, I, by the way, I love that Anderson and Gallows lost the tag title match to New Day. And then, like, they came out right after that and, like, reestablished themselves as contenders. Mm-hmm. I mean, I guess you got to do something with them, but it was like, you know, it, it was almost as if, like, oh, you know, Anderson goes, these guys are making noise in the tag team division, finally. It's like, what? <laughs> Why didn't we do this six months ago? You know, it's like, but it's like they just lost a tag team title match. You know, it's like, I, I just, to me, if you would have, like, this match in October makes a ton of sense. Like, if you would have asked me in July, you know, where do you think the tag team divisions go? And I'm like, oh, I bet you it's going to be the club working with Enzo and Cass. But I would have thought it would be a tag title program at this point. Yeah. I, That's I, I what it should both, be. For yeah, sure. I we talked both, about that. Yeah, I, I think both tag divisions, uh, you know, on Raw and SmackDown have been very poorly booked, quite frankly, of late. Uh, I think they've got the wrong champions on each, on each brand. And this whole desire of them, and we'll talk about it when we get to the New Day match, to have New Day break Demolition's record, I guess just to break their record, has really hurt Enzo and Cass, who is a hot babyface act, and they've lost steam in the last couple weeks, man. Oh, yeah. They've just been in limbo, waiting. Yeah, and this match, why do we care? Poor Carl Anderson's job two weeks in a row. I mean, I don't know how many, you know, again, how's our territory going? I don't know, but I do know that when I, if I was booking a major show, I wouldn't have the heel lose clean twice to a babyface and then, you know, book a match at the pay-per-view. That does not make a lot of sense. I think the club needs the win more, obviously, if they have any plans for them in the title picture after yeah, brutalizing I, I them for months. But I, I just can't pick them to win. I wouldn't be shocked no. if they won, but who knows? Well, I don't know. The thing is, here's the thing. The only thing that works in the club's favor is that Enzo and Cass aren't getting the titles in the immediate future. It's true. So maybe they, you know, and... and after this pay-per-view, we're just going to a Survivor Series where they're going to be on the same team together anyway. So, yeah. Yeah, I, I, there's really no... Re- I mean, if you have Enzo and Cass win here, um, I don't know what they do next because they're not... I, I don't think they're going to an, into a program with New Day. Yeah, unless they do some kind of split out of the Survivor Series with them, yeah. like... At odds. I'm almost tempted just to pick the club now to be contrived. I've almost talked myself <laughs> into picking Anderson and Gallows to win this against all odds. Yeah. Because in WWE world, hey, they they did lose. You know, the WWE is the one who has the heels lose twice clean on television that has them win at the pay-per-view. Yeah. Like I say, yeah, I wouldn't be shocked. Uh, it's hard for me to pick them because I picked them so many times to win the tag titles towards the end of the summer there where they were in the, the New Day matches and they never won when they definitely should have. So it's hard for me to pick them at all because they've been yeah, booked so they, poorly. Yeah, they they were hot when they first came in. I would have thought for sure by the summer sometime they would have had the champs. They would have transitioned from New Day to End Zone cast. Yeah. Doesn't look like that's going to happen, though. Well, the next match listed on the card is the tag title match. So we'll go right into that. New Day mm-hmm. against Cesaro and Sheamus. Uh, I'll let you go first this time, Kyle. Okay. To redeem the Cesaro-Sheamus act, I think they've got to eventually win the titles. 
but it ain't going to happen here because I'm tell- they've referenced that damn demolition thing so many times. New Day is getting to- is breaking that record. And of course, they're going to lose it right after they break the record and it won't mean anything. Yeah. I do. What do you think about this? Like breaking the record just for the sake of breaking the record is so silly to me. Because nobody talks about that in wrestling. Nobody cares. They, they've made this into a thing. But I don't think any of the current fans really care about it anymore. I think. Yeah, I mean, it was a thing where it's like, to me, you shouldn't like, okay. I can see where that works. It's some like, oh, you know, this, they're going for the longest run ever. But if you're doing it just to break the record and the, the act is getting staler, that's a mistake. Yeah. You know, you shouldn't like, and to me, the New Day is stale. They just come across as stale. I'd like to see Big E do other things, man. Work solo. Yeah, they've been stale for months, and I was yeah. a huge New Day fan, but I, yeah. I could care less anymore about the New Day. Yeah, I mean, it's just, you know, their segments are never very interesting. I mean, they're just out there. I mean, the, look, there's a certain segment of, of, of the fan base that really likes them, but I just think that... um. I don't know. They've they've overstayed their welcome as tag team champions, in my opinion. Yeah. By a couple months now, and um, I see them winning because uh, not only did they lose on Raw to Cesaro and Sheamus, but again they're breaking that damn record. So I think it it's December that they're going to that they're going to have the titles. So that's another month and a half. A new day as champs. Yeah, I for sure think they're winning too. They're, they've had them this long. There's no way they're not breaking the record. Um, I actually do though. I think uh Cesaro Sheamus split could come out of this match. I don't think they're gonna get a run with the titles. You personally. don't? No. Okay. I think uh, I think you could start to see the split in this match. They could uh, almost like they have the match won, and then just like some kind of miscommunication. I think I think a split is going to start being hinted at here. Well, what are they gonna do then? Keep feuding? God, you know, I that's my only problem with that. It's like, yeah. you're right. OK, at first it's like, OK, that goes into it. But it's like, I don't know. I think WWE in their mind, they think and don't get me wrong. But by the way, you talk about something right here. How I'll say this. I think a Cesaro Sheamus match, like if those two are challenging Enzo or I'm not Enzo Cass, um, uh, Anderson and Gallows. I think that'd be a fun match. Those four. Yeah. In it. I think that'd be a hell of a hard hitting match. That'd be good. Um, but, um, I think in WWE's mind, they think like, this is going to be like this cool, odd couple team. And if they want to get them over as baby faces, by the way, huge mistake, putting them in there with new day. Yeah. That's another issue that we need to talk about. Yeah. I don't understand if they want this to be a ba- like, there's two ways you can go with this is our, well, there's three, you, the one you just mentioned, you could have them break up and feud again, but as a team, there's two ways you can go. One is. Sheamus eventually becomes a babyface, and they're on the same page. The other one is Cesaro goes heel, and they get on the same page, and no one wants to see that. Mm-hmm. So, I think they're. I think we're going to slowly see a transition of Sheamus into a babyface. I just feel like Cesaro has been ruined in this tag team. I I I, I oh, hate he, it. I hate yeah, it. His ceiling is so much higher than how they use him. Yes. Yeah. So maybe it's just wishful thinking on my part, but I just I don't see it as a long term thing, and I think you could you could possibly see the uh, the split start to happen. I, I, now, if I, they go into a program again, I would not be 
overly excited about that yeah, that's either. The thing, it's like if they split, like they've got a feud, right? They just can't forget about each other, can they? Well, I would hope it'd just be like one big match and that's it. I know they just wrestled the best of seven, but Okay. Maybe you're right. We'll see. Um and then we've got the cruiserweight title, TJ against Kendrick. Um God, if they put the title on Brian Kendrick, it's such a waste. In my opinion, we talked about this on the show a couple weeks ago. I don't think, although he's a good worker, I don't think if you're trying to get this division over, Kendrick's the guy that should be feuding for the title. So many other options. Um, so I'll go with TJ here. Hmm. I don't know what they're going to do with this storyline of, oh, you need to let me win. That threw me for a loop. I'll tell you that they've done an awful job establishing Perkins as the champion, mm-hmm. as a strong champion. Yeah. Just awful. Um, and you made the point right off the rip a few weeks ago, like you referenced, that Kendrick was probably not the best choice to be the initial top contender. I absolutely would have had Perkins beat guys like Neville, um, Sin Cara, guys who are already on the main roster to really establish the title. That's the direction I would have gone. Mm-hmm. Um. I just, I, I don't know, you know, I don't know where they go. I, I, I hate not been a big fan of this program, quite frankly. I can see him switching the title. That'd be such a mistake, though, It'd be horrible. to switch a new title. Horrible. God, I, I, I really hope Perkins wins. I don't know who will win, but Perkins should. I'll say that. Yeah, definitely. You got to keep the new the champion established. I mean, people don't even know who this guy is. He's just a guy with a title to them. Mm-hmm. Then we got uh, U.S. champion Roman Reigns in the first of the three Hell in a Cell matches we'll talk about, um, defending against Rusev. This feud continues. Um, So do you think my theory might be here that uh, Reigns gets the victory and hopefully this feud is over? Yeah, I think that's a lock. Yeah. Does this this open the show? Because they've got to spread the Hell in a Cell out. Well, of the three, it definitely has the best chance to open it. I could see, a, I could see that opening the show. I think this one or um, possibly the cruiserweight match will open the show. Hmm. That way, they don't have to switch the ropes mid-show. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I think they're gonna open. I, I think they're gonna spread them out. Put one hell in the cell first, one in the middle, and one at the end. I mm-hmm. think. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I think it's good. I, I don't. I don't see any finish other than Reigns going over clean. Yeah, it should be the easiest one to call on this show. Yeah. Uh, Universal champion Kevin Owens defending against Rollins Hell in a Cell match. I'll let you go first this time. Seth Rollins does not interest me as a baby face at all. Um, my only, my, the only question in my head is if they beat Rollins here, how do they keep any heat on him whatsoever. Does Triple H show up here? And because they've got to start that feud sooner rather than later. Mm-hmm. They really do because he talks about it all the time. And I think it's where people want to see him go. But like, you know, if they don't do that, I don't know what you do with Seth Rollins after he loses here. Yeah. I mean, I guess I again. We're going to Survivor Series where it's just going to be a team anyway. Um, God, do they do they have Rollins win here as a surprise? 
it's possible. Called- I wouldn't I- think so. I, I think that would kind of cut cut off uh, Owen's legs right from underneath him. I think he needs to keep the, tel- the title. Oh, so do I. I but- absolutely think Owens needs to keep the title, but... They got to keep some heat on Rollins as this new baby face they're pushing. So, yeah, and it's hard we, to say. Have we called for any title to change hands so far? No. Are they going to, are all five champions going to retain? Because I'll give you a clue. I don't think Sasha's losing in the main event. Yeah, I don't think Sasha's losing. I don't think the New Day's losing. I think those are locks. Um, I mean, Reigns isn't weight, losing. I, yeah, it, I mean, I guess the cruiserweight maybe changes, but. I don't know. I have like this feeling that they might like they'll view this as a way to redeem Rollins and it would be a bad move. I can apps. I can see Rollins winning here, which is the wrong call. Yeah, I can. I can see it happening because, you know, if they if they think the, the baby face turn isn't really taken off, which it's not, they could uh, think the title switch could really, you know, give them that boost. So. Oh, I wouldn't have thought I wouldn't have taken Rollins at first glance, but now I could see it happening possibly. Yeah, because they could always just change it back on a Raw. Because yeah, they could have yeah Triple H come out in Raw and cost him the match in a rematch. Yeah, which I wouldn't like either. I wouldn't like that either because that would be twice that Kevin Owens won the title <laughs> because of Triple H. Yeah. Um, but I think, but I think Triple H has to get involved in this match if Owens is keeping it, because otherwise, how do you keep Rollins strong? Yeah, so. I mean, I don't know what you, you know, and I could see. Here's the thing. The there is a money match. Yeah, money might be stretching it, but the, I think there's a title program of interest on Raw. But it ain't this one. It's Owens Jericho. I think the crowd really is digging that and the potential split. And if they play their cards right with that turn, I think that'll be a hot program. Um, I could see Jericho screwing up here, quote unquote, and costing Owens the title. And then maybe Owens gets it back. And then that's the December pay-per-view main event. Mm-hmm. But I mean, that's, that's a long ways away. You know, I, I think that the finish of Survivor Series is gonna, you're going to have oh these three are all good. Owens, Jericho, and Rollins will all be on that team anyway. Um, and I think that you maybe do something where Owens and Jericho split after that. Yeah. Um. So I don't know. I it actually here's here's what's sad. I don't know if it matters who wins Owens and Rollins. <laughs> which is a problem. That says a lot about where we're yeah. at as a company. Yeah, I guess. I guess I'll take Rollins because this is the only title I can see switching, and it's hard to imagine all these title matches with no other switches. So, yeah, heading in, I would have picked Owens, but after our discussion here, I guess I'll go with the Rollins uh, surprise victory. Nah, I've been wrong before. It'll probably be Owens, but whatever. <laughs> You've convinced me to pick Rollins, so I'll go with Rollins. Uh, all right, this is where the drama happens. We've got what we're listing as the main event, Sasha versus Charlotte. This has gotten a lot of publicity in recent days. Um, Kyle had the article up sourced from the observer uh, earlier today that uh, supposedly the writing team, well, you know, this is your story. I'll let you explain it. What's going on with uh, backstage with this match, Kyle? All right. That I think most people would agree that Sasha versus Charlotte should go on last. It's, the first women's Hell in a Cell match, um, and I think it's just been a 
although the program's had its issues, obviously because the bank's injury and whatnot kind of threw things for a loop. You know, of the three, I think it just has the most interest. Um, you know, everyone expects Reigns to beat Rusev, so that's not very interesting and shouldn't go last. And this world title, this universal title program, pardon me, just eh, not really doing it, I don't think, for a lot of people. So I think logically, Banks versus Charlotte should be the main event. The creative team, the writers, you know, the writers, quote unquote, seem to be in agreement with that as well, with the fans. But Vince McMahon seems to be, if you believe the Observer, and again, I was not privy to any of these conversations, so perhaps Meltzer's wrong, but somebody gave him a quote, which was pretty interesting. Um, I'll bring that up here in a second. But um, that Vince is kind of digging his heels in and doesn't want the match to go on last. And that's just like so frustrating because you're coming at the last show, No Mercy, that they did, which was a SmackDown pay-per-view, I realized. That was actually a good show. I thought it had two good matches, um, and I, I cared a little bit more going into it than I do this one. But if you recall, they put the wrong match on last there, too. They've got to be really, really careful here, because if they don't put this match on last, they run the risk of losing the crowd. And they're doing this triple main event thing. I just, I cannot, I mean, I guess they could put the universal title match on last, but man, um, I mean, depending where they go with it, but man, I I just, I'm scratching my head when I hear Vince McMahon is digging his heels in and doesn't want this to go on last. Well, and what we talked about earlier with the hometown thing. Yes. (laughs) Here we go. Coming right back. Sasha's hometown, Boston, right? This is where pay-per-views at so it makes all the sense in the world for this to be the main event it should be the main event i hope to god it's the main event we'll see but the other thing is um with this is um that they they do bring up a good point on the other side Meltzer did sorry i lost my train of thought when this wasn't going to the page um that this it not having been properly promoted as the main event is a mistake. And it's it, maybe it doesn't hurt them as much as it could have, but like, it's not going to like, um, I just think the idea of not really having a well-defined main event is very bad. Yeah. For a show like the great shows. I wrote this in that update. The great shows have well, a well-defined main event. And this show does not have a well-defined main event. Um, which I believe hurts it. So they've already missed a lot of opportunity, not by actively promoting this as the first time a w- women's match, uh, not only is going to be in hell in a cell, but the first time a women's match will close a pay-per-view. And I don't know if they're scared that's going to turn people off. Um, I think that's a behind the times way of thinking, but um, you know, they've, they're in a position now where they run the risk of losing the crowd because the crowd's going to, you know, I think might even, you know, kind of be a little upset with the match if it doesn't go on last. They might be a little salty. And to me, this entire pay-per-view, whether it's good, bad, or indifferent, hinges on this match. This is the make-or-break match, I believe, of this Hell in a Cell pay-per-view. If this is a good match, like one of the best women's matches in history, this show could be a thumbs-up. If it's not, or if it doesn't go on last, eh, we'll see. What's the only match on the card that could make it a memorable show, in my opinion? 
I don't I don't think I mean I guess Owens Rollins they could have a pretty damn good match but yeah but overall you know, this is the this is the memorable match that just the historic nature of it being like the first women's match main event of pay-per-view if it does first women's hell in a cell match two girls in the ring there that have had great matches in the past um it could yeah it's it's the memorable match if anyone five years from now goes back to watch this show it's only going to be for this match so yeah like you said this is the make or break match yeah i i just i i think it has to go unless here's the quote by the way i looked it up this is from someone connected quote to the creative process this was in the the last wrestling observer uh, by the way dave i hope i hope everything's all right with his mother i was i was actually i was wondering if that was even going to come out I, we, we should send her well wishes i think dave's mother had a stroke or something like that that's too bad to hear yeah um anyway the quote is and what everyone needs to understand is that there's no one who understands the outside less than the man who makes all the decisions we just have to find a respectful way to change his mind so a polite way of saying he's out of touch with the audience Yes. And that is kind of in step with the thing. I know. I don't know if you've ever heard anything like this, but I know I have too. Um, you know, when people want to blame the writers for a lot of these things, okay, maybe sometimes it is their fault, but a lot of times it's Vincent K. McMahon's. Yeah. And um, I don't know. I, I just, I don't, I, I just don't see why you would put either of the other two matches on last, unless if they have something planned big, for Owens and Rollins, I guess if they do a title change, okay, maybe they're justifying it that way in the Owens-Rollins match, but still, I, I don't know. I think they'll convince him. I think it'll go on last. Mm. I think I someone know. will get through to him. I don't know who it is. You know, it was funny. I listened to a podcast recently talking about Pat Patterson's exit from the company. Mm-hmm. They really miss... someone like that in the company right now that's really hurting that because like kevin dunn kind of assumed that role now and kevin dunn's terrible <laughs> i mean kevin dunn is really bad like the stuff that he's gotten in vince's ear about is, is really bad and destructive like i mean i've never heard of kevin dunn ever coming up with a great idea before pat was the guy who when you read a quote like this we just have to find a respectful way to change his mind pat was the guy who used to pull that off well don't you think Steph or Triple H could do it? These, you know, I, I know, th- I know that Stephanie likes to claim to be responsible for the women's revolution, and she's not. But like, since storyline, she's connected to it, and obviously Triple H with the could. NXT. You're impact. right. She's the one who could. I just don't, you know. And in all due respect to her, I don't, I don't know her personally, and I, I've never had a wrestling conversation with her. Obviously, I don't know if she can do it. Yeah. I think if I mean, her, she, her and her and Hunter get together, they talk with Vince. Yeah. I, I think it can happen. I wonder if she's in favor of it. I bet Hunter's in favor of it. So if Hunter's yes. in favor of it, I think she'll go along with it. Yes, I would assume Hunter would be in favor of it. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. But so, well, unless <laughs> unless if he's coming up and he wants to go on last, then he's not in favor of it. <laughs> and then the, we may uh, have Owens our Rollins, Yeah. Yeah, then we may have our answer. Well, I think it's going to go on last. Maybe I'm being optimistic, but I think it's going to happen. So that is your Hell in a Cell card. We'll see it going down this Sunday night at the same time as Game 5 of the World Series, which, depending on how Games 3 and 4 go, could be a clinch game. So we'll see Uh what happens there. Because if it is, 
Kyle, we might be watching this pay-per-view on tape delay. Yeah. So either way, we will uh we will be talking about it on topropepress.com. We'll have a review up with our five thoughts column and uh we'll see what happens. So do want to mention that uh next week, we, I I know we talked about this last week. We're we're going to be doing these uh Survivor Series flashback shows, but the whole World Series thing and Kyle and I's teams not having won a World Series in many decades. Um, it's kind of gotten in the way of us producing this show this week. Um, but the World Series is wrapping up here pretty soon. So we are planning next week to put out the first show of our Survivor Series flashback, which will concentrate on the 80s editions of the show from 87 to 89. And uh, that will be free for everyone to listen to here on TopRowPress.com, iTunes, Stitcher, Podbean. And following that, we will do special flashback shows on every other Survivor Series um, event heading into this year's edition of the show. And those will be Patreon supporter-only shows. So if you want to check out how you can get access to hear those shows, if you like the podcast um, and you want subscriber benefits, you can donate as little as $1 per month to our Patreon page. So that's at patreon.com slash Nation. And uh, you can find out how you can be a subscriber. You can support the show. goes a long way for us. And uh, you'll get exclusive access to hearing these Survivor Series flashback shows and uh, some other fun stuff we've got planned for the future of Top Rope Nation. So, Kyle, anything to add there about our Survivor Series? No, I'm fired up to do it. I could uh, – it'll be really – it's really interesting when you talk about old WWF, like especially those first ones, because we're going to be – the booking generally makes sense in those ones and will be complimentary. The booking, it's the wrestling that we'll be lamenting. <laughs> it's actually the complete opposite of right now. Exactly. Where we'll be like, yeah, you know, okay, this absolutely made sense. You, you see where it was going. Oh boy. But the, the work was not ideal. Yeah. But it'll get better. We'll be, we'll, and Hey, we're going to get to talk about Montreal when we get to 97. So there'll be some entertaining shows. And uh, if you like classic wrestling, if you like nostalgia, you're not going to want to miss this. So like we said, $1 a month to support the show. You get exclusive access to that. We're planning on doing some uh, Patreon subscriber only pay-per-view re- review shows in the future. Um, possibly bringing on some listeners as guest co-hosts. We can do a, you know, like a three man team or three, two guys in a, a lady team on our show here possibly in the future so uh check it out on patreon so with that being said that's all we got for you this week i'm gonna say go cubbies kyle is go tribe go tribe and uh, we'll see what happens in the uh time from here until next week so uh check us out on topropepress.com as always drop us a review on itunes and we will chat with you again next time take care